Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Now on the horn, smooth soul Monday edition of Ball Don't Lie. My man Patrick playing jams, intended to soothe the uh, tortured soul of some sports fans out there who may have had a tough weekend. Also, uh, you can hit us up, let us know if you had a tough weekend. Hopefully, you had a great Mother's Day weekend. Uh, 512-337-3776, that's the number to the Specs text line. Also, you can hit us up via Twitter. I'm at Rod Davis in the Twitterverse. My man Patrick Davis at It's Patrick Davis. Uh, my man Harge is uh, out personal day, but you can cyberstalk him at Hardball Harge. He'll be back tomorrow. Uh, we'll get into some NFL news, notes, and nuggets here in this segment. I want to talk about the Cowboys. A couple of stories related to the Cowboys. Um, CeeDee Lamb. I'm throwing out some um, very high expectations for the Cowboys. Also, Dan Quinn saying the record straight about those comments from Micah Parsons, which everybody was really, really excited about, and a running back that the Cowboys should definitely have their eye on. So we'll get to all of those stories here in uh, just a, a second. Okay. Um, but coming up next segment, I want to get into uh, we'll get into some undrafted free agents. And, and I know it sounds like I mean, undrafted free agents. Who cares about undrafted free agents? I'll tell you why you should care about undrafted free agents. We'll get into that. We usually have Harsh Knock Life coming up next segment, but that's what we'll do for Harsh Knock Life. We'll get into Cowboys and Texans, undrafted free agents. I'll tell you why you should care, why it matters, and uh, I'll, I'll heap some praise on the Cowboys. I'll uh, give the Cowboys a lot of props for what they've done in undrafted free agencies. We'll do that coming up next segment, continue our NFL discussion. Let's talk about Dan Quinn and what he had to say to clarify the comments of one Micah Parsons. So, Michael Parsons got everybody excited when he revealed that he was going to move full-time to defensive end. Um, and remember, we talked about it, had the conversation that basically he was already kind of a full-time defensive end. They just haven't then labeled him full-time defensive end. But if you look at the snap count in 2022, 170 total snaps at off-ball linebackers, 693 at DN. Weeks 11 through 18, he only he had less than 20 snaps at off-ball linebacker. So they had been transitioning him slowly to playing more and more uh, defensive end. By the way, those uh, numbers came from uh, that came from next gen. Uh, then Pro Football Focus has different stats. They have him with uh, 195 off-ball linebacker snaps. So maybe a little bit more than the 170. And I guess that may depend on. Because sometimes they'll spin him down. 
they'll spin them down, and sometimes they'll blitz them. So depending on if they decide this guy's on the line or off the line, everybody's got different stats. Algorithms are a little bit different. But either way, he had already been transitioning to defensive end full-time. They just hadn't said it. And I I figured, and remember, I, my, my take was, I understand why they're doing it, because if he plays full-time defensive end, he could easily become the best pass rusher in the NFL. I mean, he's got 26 and a half sacks in his first two years, and that's spending, you know, fewer snaps than most elite pass rushers um, at the defensive end spot. So I understood the the mindset of them doing it, but Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams, Cardi B, Megan The Stallion, but is I have on this show championed Dan Quinn, all right, as a football theorist who is a pioneer of positionless football in the NFL right now and how much he loves it. And how much he goes out of his way to acquire players who have a very versatile skill set, a hybridized skill set. He got another one with DeMarvio and Overshaw. And I, I sit on the show, if, if you, even if you're going to do it, why tell everybody? Even if you're going to do it, okay, do it. Why are, you, why are we revealing this information? Yeah. Doesn't make any sense to reveal it. But even, even then, revealing it, I still wouldn't have, if I was Dan Quinn, I wouldn't have pigeonholed him to say, no, no, he's a full time defense man. When in some games, Matchup-wise, it just may be advantageous to move him around the chessboard. Here's Dan Quinn. Um, he says, when they were asking him about uh, the Michael Parsons position switch, he says uh, basically that, quote, he is a pass-rushing linebacker. He says, yeah, 100%, he's a pass-rushing linebacker. So if you ever need position changes, come to me, <laughs> not through any of the guys. I think what he was probably trying to say is, I'm really emphasizing some pass rush into my offseason. There you go, Patrick. He's, 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 he wants you to emphasize pass rushing techniques in the offseason, but, man, you're a pass rushing linebacker. Yeah. How you like that? What, what, do you think that uh, Micah just prematurely spilled the beans, or was this part of the plan and Micah just revealed the plan and he shouldn't, he's not supposed to reveal the plan? I, I think Micah wants to be a defensive end. Okay. And so he's, he's manifesting into his own world. Uh, Hey man, I don't like playing linebacker. I hate run, run. I hate trying to chase down running backs. I hate doing all this. I really like rushing the quarterback. It's man, go play a video game and tell me what position is the most fun to play on defense. And I'll tell you right now, it's defensive end because you know what you're doing every play. You don't really have to read as much. You don't have to do as much. You just go. I'm going to try and kill this one guy. That's and it's, mm. so it's just it makes sense why he wants to do it. And so he's working on that every game, and he's saying, look, that's what I love to do. I want to do that more and more, and I'm going to be the most impressive defensive end out there. I get – and then Dan Quinn goes, that's cool, but as we've talked about with, with multiple coaches, even on today's show, there is a chess match within the game. Yep. And if they go, hey, man, they figured out how to stop you at that, that DN position right now, I'm not going to just keep running you into a brick wall, so we have to move you around because you are too valuable for us to use – and once they figure out a stop for you. Ding, 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 ding. So Come in on. the chess match of the game, I'm not going to sacrifice the Cowboys season so you can for be a, a full-time DVN. For yes. a label. <laughs> so if you need to step out and be linebacker, and if we need to put D. Williams in to, to sit there so that he hits the gap first and you come in after him like a wrecking ball, we may do things like that. Or if we have to overshawn on the side and then you two switch positions real quick and no one knows what's happening, and we're still you're still pass rushing and you're still doing stuff like this, we're just not putting you in the label of you're going to sit on this every single play. Yeah, what if they have a, a – what if their running backs are poor in pass protection? 
Yeah. You figure, all right, so if I blitz him off the B-gap, I can get him matched up on a poor pass protection running back every down, yeah. every passing down? Well, I'd rather you do that. That's work smarter, not harder. Exactly. So I, that's I, – I, I'm glad – this is – Made me more of a Dan Quinn fan. Now, I'm glad he came out publicly and said it. Because for me, I didn't know why they spilled the beans anyway. But I could understand maybe he's just really excited. That they told him he's going to be, you know, a pass rushing. You know, he's basically going to be a, a pass rushing specialist now for them. That's probably what they told him. So go work on your pass rushing moves, man. Go. And he probably, eh, he probably was a little too forthcoming with the media about it. He probably should have kept that to himself. And I, still, I do think Dan Quinn wants to use him as a versatile weapon, but just as we just talked about, moving around the chessboard to an advantageous matchup. But I think the numbers of him playing off-ball linebacker will continue to shrink. Yeah, yeah, they will. But now they'll be, they'll be really, really specific like uh, game situations where he's playing that position for a reason. Most of the time, of course, like the last few years, or at least a couple of years, I should say, he'll be at DN. Um, here's yeah. something. And that, let's also, you know, if you look at awards for the defense, they normally go to DNs, not they linebackers. Do. They do. And if you want to look at who gets the highest money, money, it's DNs, not linebackers. There's a real lot of reasons why you like to be labeled as a defensive end, not a linebacker, especially if you're playing most of your snaps at DN. I get why you'd like the label to change. Just semantically, but, but it's it, it, if you are a defense. But I totally I, no. I, but I think Dan Quinn's that. right because he goes, dude. We want to win games. Yes, that is the main thing, and we need you not to say those things. But you know what? Say it. Go ahead, because I'm going to play you where I want to play you anyway. Uh, that is probably true. <laughs> now you probably he wants he wants him and Micah to be cool because yeah. and I might remember Micah loves Dan Quinn. Remember yeah. when they drafted my and honestly, if you listen to the the audio. Michael Parsons claims he told Dan Quinn to draft yeah. Mozzie Smith. So they're really close, but you definitely don't want, you know, you don't want to be forcing someone to play a position they don't want to play. Or make sure, remember the Debo Samuel, Kyle Shanahan, Shannon thing? If you're going to play him in a position they don't want to play, remember the whole point, at least one of the debates was he didn't want to play running back as much. He wanted fewer running back snaps. Yeah. And when they made him one of the highest paid receivers in the league, he decided, all right, you can use me how you want to use me. Yeah. Same thing with Micah. I think your point is astute that Micah and maybe Micah's agent are telling him, dude, you need to be playing defensive end. Yeah. That needs to be the narrative out there. Use the media. The media will help you here because when we start negotiating a contract, we're going to need the media to help us with too. And we need you to be Paid like the highest defensive end and the highest paid player on defense yeah. in the history of the if, NFL. If we want to win defensive player of the year, that's going to help us get a bigger contract. Yes. The linebackers don't win defensive player of the year a lot of times. And this the is rushing, what I, t- rushing defensive ends do. And this is what I'll say about Dan Quinn. And this is why I think Dan Quinn still needs to be billi- bullish on using Micah as a positionless, uh, versatile chess piece. The Cowboys, they are the first team in the history of the NFL, to lead the NFL in forced turnovers in back-to-back years since the Steel Curtain Steelers did it in the early 70s, 72. They did it in 72, 73, 74. So the Cowboys are the first team to lead the NFL in takeaways in back-to-back seasons since the Steel Curtain. Now, the Steel Curtain was revolutionary for a lot of reasons, a lot of things that the Steel Curtain was doing. Um, but the Cowboys, one of the ways that I think they force a lot of turnovers is they get a lot of interceptions. And the reason they get a lot of interceptions lately is their ability to disguise coverages. And they disguise coverages really well because they use three safeties um, with basically big nickels, big dimes, probably 40% of the time. 
And those packages allow Dan Quinn to move his different pieces around the chessboard, making it really tough for opposing quarterbacks to decipher pre-snap what the defense is doing and then post-snap have that match up and track with your pre-snap diagnosis. It's tough against a Dan Quinn defense because he's got all these pieces that can move around. You got safeties that can be in the box. They could drop deep. They could, you know, they could end up playing man to man. They can end up blitzing. All these versatile pieces, and Micah's one of them too. So I think that's a part of the, what's made their defense so unique and so opportunistic. And their interception numbers have gone through the roof since Dan Quinn's been there. And a lot of it is the disguise. The quarterbacks don't figure out quick enough, and by the time they figure it out, ball is already gone. <laughs> too late. So I think that's part of it, too, is schematically it does and strategically it does matter to be versatile and have a hybrid like Michael Parsons. Um, okay. Oh, actually, we have do we have audio of this Andrew Whitworth sound here because people uh, saw the video last week of Michael working at the collective, the gym here in Austin um, and working with Andrew Whitworth, the tackle for the L.A. Rams for years. He's retired now. And people wondered, like, man, that was just a, kind of a weird relationship. Maybe he was just working out at the gym, too. Turns out, no, he and Micah have become really close, and he basically was summoned by Micah so that Micah could improve his skills as a pass rusher. Here's the breakdown on the Rich Eisen show. I just came down from Austin, Texas. I was down there in Austin uh, getting a chance to go uh, be around Micah Parsons for a few days and – we had a chance to work together. And this game right here is one of the ones I was excited about because, uh, you know, Seahawks uh, had some really good young tackles last year and Lucas and Cross. And so, you know, I think Charles Cross showed that uh, he could be a left tackle to look at for the future is, is a really good player and a great pick for the Seahawks. And he's going to have his hands full with a guy like Micah Parsons for sure. So it was really fun to get down there. You don't think of an O-lineman and a D-lineman working together, but it was, it was fun for me. Well, I mean, TJ, this one's for you. Okay. Why did you go? What tell me tell tell everyone how yeah, you wound so, up going there? You know, Mike and I have kind of uh, just kind of kept up with each other over the last you know couple of years. Once he got in the league, we we had a you know a uh, inter squad practice and stuff with uh, inter squad squad practice. And when I was with the Rams with the Cowboys, went over to Oxnard and yep. I got to go against him some when he was a young rookie, just you know and that kind of stuff. So when he had yet to even take a snap in the league. Yeah. yeah, and so I, he had a rush or two that we went against each other, and really nothing to the play, but just afterwards I kind of shared some feedback with him. And so, you know, over the years we just kind of text here or there or tweet, you know, something DM or something to each other, like mm-hmm. different things. And he reached out this offseason and said, man, would you have any interest in coming down where I train and working with me? And just, you know, I, you know, obviously you're going to have D-line coaches, you're going to have things you're going to learn from edge rush guys that you've been around He's like, but I have the mentality. I want to practice against somebody who's really elite at being my opponent. And I want to get what's that feedback from that person. And what is why why would he shoot his hands on this player? Why would he jump me in this scenario? So we watched a lot of tape of situational football, you know, three step, five step, uh, drop, you know, the different drops quarterbacks take and why the tackle takes a certain set or uses his hands a certain way. And uh, it was really fun. It was it was really uh, igniting for me. I was telling Sean McVay last night when I was coming back. Like I was Full sweat. I feel like I'm coaching out there, just having fun, uh, getting excited, just talking ball, man. I love this game. It's changed my life, and uh, I look forward to seeing how it changes other guys' lives. So to get to be a part of somebody like Micah Parsons' journey and just do something to help him in any way I can, uh, it was it was fun for me. How about the lion, TJ? Huh? I mean, As he likes guy. to refer to him, he's a lion. I love this dude, man. It's rare. It's rare to think that that's the way he thinks. Like, hey, I don't want to just listen to guys who've done what I do. Right. I want to know what the guy who goes against me does. And I think that that's really cool to think that his mind thinks that way. Like, 
always trying to find another edge, another thing that can make me a lead and great. I love that sound. Uh, as a player, one of my biggest advantages and one of the biggest factors in improving my football IQ, football intellect, my, some of my best friends in the world were offensive guys. Like the Wood, they're all offensive guys. Chris Sims, Bo Scaife, Montreal Flowers, Kyle Shanahan, all offensive guys. I, my, I hung around nothing but offensive guys most of college. I hung around with DBs, too, and DBU. That was my crew, my clique. Love DBU. But my my closest friends, my social, my closest social circle were all offensive guys. And starting quarterback, which is now, you know, and now a head coach in the NFL, another one, another one that played in the NFL for years. My man uh, Trail was a wide receiver, so I could talk about wide receiver routes with him and what routes and doing different situations and the the route tree and the technique to running different routes. Oh, it was. And now looking back on it, it really it just fed my 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 football IQ. And and I learned so much in terms of how to read the route tree, how to understand body language. Love the quote that I got from Shannon. Body language doesn't whisper, it screams. Watching the body language will tell you everything. Every sport. We have to defend somebody. Body language is everything. Body language is most of it. And it's some some guys can't read body language. They don't. They don't even know what you're talking about. And then some guys they go, Oh yeah, that's a, I read that all the time. And I, I talk to young DBs all the time and I go, you read body language, they go. Some go, oh, they get that dog look on like, whoop, and head turns to the side. Like, what do you mean read body language? You don't read body language? <clears throat> what do you, after the, after, the, 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 after the initial release from the line of scrimmage, hell, most of what you're reading is body language. You can be a football investigator and understand the this, this situation, your alignment, your assignment, but then a certain, there's a certain, on a sequence after the release from the line of scrimmage where body language is all you read. You know, Sauce Gardner, I was listening to him talk, who's probably the best corner in the NFL, and he brought up body language. He was, they were asking about his technique. He was like, yeah, and I'm, I'm really good at reading body language. Body language. They don't talk about it enough <laughs> when they're talking about DVs and technique. It's one of those very nuanced things. But either way, it, that was that was that was something that really improved my football IQ. It's one of the reasons I can come over and talk football with you guys the way I do. And Bill Belichick famously would have his players switch meeting rooms. At times, players from defense would go to the offensive meeting room because it does help to know how the opponent wants to attack you and how they want to exploit you. What it, what all the different situations, the down, the distance, what it means to them as opposed to what you're reading pre-snap, what they are reading pre-snap. That's why I love coaches. I, I call it the, the Belichickian theory. I love coaches who have an ex- expertise in more than one phase of the game. Most coaches, their enti- entire careers, you know, they, <clears throat> they come up, you know, learning just one phase of the game, even though there are three. And I love some coaches who divert from that and they, they end up being uh, a, a coach that can coach at a higher level in more than one phase of the game, whether it be special teams and defense or defense and offense. And those are the coaches who I think, um, in my opinion, the ones I would prefer if I was hiring a coach. Uh, but anyway, I love wasn't, that. So. Wasn't there a story about D'Amico Ryan's having that conversation with Matt Schaub at a point? Yes. About yes. where he was like, he was tipping something and he was going, he was like, oh, I was talking about a white because D'Amico Ryan's a guy who wants to. Learn from the other side as well. Why. He wants to know why, but he was like, "Why do you do that thing?" And he's like, "What? 
<laughs> yeah. No, I didn't, didn't remember my shop said he got annoyed by it. Yeah. Because he gave him too much information. And in practice, he was he was learning actually <laughs> what they would be doing pre-snap. And he's like reading all the keys. He was a great football investigator. If you want, if you really want to learn the game, you got to go to both sides of it. You got to learn the other side of whatever position you're going up against. Uh, so I love that. That's why Michael Parsons this year, he's a favorite to win defensive player of the year. I would I'd put my money on him. I really would. I I think this year he could go. They could they could weaponize him this year in a different way than they've ever have. Yeah, I think especially when you talk about the additions in the mm-hmm. offseason of Mozzie Smith and and Overshawn, and then you have another year of Sam Williams that is there who who put in some good snaps last year, but another season mm-hmm. of him. I think there's a lot of guys to kind of help take the pressure. Where the more pressure you can apply mm-hmm. in other places, and the more if you if you get Gilmore helps out in the secondary. Gives you another, Ooh, yeah. what, 0.5 seconds to get to the quarterback? Yep. How many more sacks do you get? Like, those types of things, all the little help they've put together in this defense is only going to help him achieve more. I know. And I, and, I mean, the Cowboys, they, they had the highest pressure rate in the NFL last year. So you're just trying to turn more of those, or at least Micah Parsons, I should say, had the highest pressure rate in the NFL last year, and the Cowboys were top five as a team. Yeah, that's uh, what you want Gilmore is to help change those pressures into sacks. No, you're right about that. And the truth is, I, I think the Cowboys have now, they've had an epiphany. You know, I remember asking Goose Gosselin this when Harge had him on the show for Harge Knock Life, and I said, listen, as a football theorist, just me watching the Cowboys, which I do as a quasi-Cowboys fan, you know, there are two ways to win a Super Bowl. From my research, you either have an elite quarterback or an elite pass rush slash elite defense, however you want to describe it. And the Cowboys are closer to the latter than they are to the former. And I love me some Dak Prescott. And he agreed. He said, yeah, I, yeah. I agree. And and this that was probably two years ago. Now the Cowboys, now the moves they've made, Mike McCarthy's team wants to run the ball more, seeing what Dan Quinn's defense has done, leading the NFL in forced turnovers, takeaways the last back-to-back years, first defense since the Steel Curtain. Yes, fun fact, the Texas says the Steel Curtain was responsible for four Super Bowls in those back-to-back years. Yeah, I get it. I Trust me. I, I know the, the Steel Curtain was the Steel Curtain for a reason, but I'm just saying Dan Quinn's doing his part of it. And I think that they are now starting to lean on, lean on their defense. That's why I think they want to run the ball more. And even though they were scoring a lot of points, they were losing crucial games. They believe their defense actually is the identity of the team. That should be where they hang their hat, not with their offense. And lately, it's been their offense where they've been going all in on the offensive side of the ball. And I think Dan Quinn has changed that philosophy for them. So they want to zig a little bit while everybody else is zagging. And, you know, maybe when you're going up against San Fran, you keep hitting that brick wall every time. Uh, maybe it doesn't, you know, hurt to switch up, switch up the hustle to change it up a little bit if you're the Cowboys. Okay, uh, other Cowboys news. That's one other story that I want to get to about the Cowboys. We'll table that conversation for the 6 o'clock because there is conversation out there that the Cowboys may be open to uh, trading for this particular running back, one of the last, I think, yeah, options out there uh, to upgrade the running back position for the Cowboys. We'll get into that in the top of the 6 o'clock. Coming back, we'll get into undrafted free agents. I'll tell you why they matter And I'll tell you why, if you're a Cowboys fan, you should be proud of your Cowboys when it comes to undrafted free agency. Turns out, nobody in the NFL does it better. We'll come back and discuss it right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horns. Smooth Soul Monday when Patrick plays jams intended to soothe the tortured soul of sports fans out there. Uh, let's talk about undrafted free agents. Most people don't give a damn about undrafted free agents, but you should because basically undrafted free agents make up a third of NFL rosters. Yeah. there. If you go look at undrafted free agents just on average over the last uh, probably five, six years or so, um, there are more undrafted players on NFL rosters than there are players who were drafted in rounds four through seven combined. So the NFL, they put a lot of money into being able to evaluate prospects and still ends up being 50-50 shot most of the time. I mean, it's just a coin toss most of the time. Some are better at it than others. But the Cowboys are actually, they're one of the best, if not the best to be able to find those rare gems in undrafted free agency. There's a guy named Thor Nystrom. Um, he gives a lot of credit because he actually uh, is one of the first people that I see that started ranking undrafted free agents and ranking undrafted free agent classes based on his overall rankings of the prospects. And so prospects that were expected to get drafted that weren't drafted pretty high up on his undrafted free agency list and then kind of works like that, so on and so on. And as teams acquire undrafted free agents, he'll rank their free agency class. And he's been doing this for about five years. And the Cowboys signed 13 undrafted free agents this cycle. Uh, Texans ended up signing, I believe it was nine undrafted free agents this cycle. Now, think of undrafted free agents like a penny stock, right? Undrafted free agents, they basically, you know, penny stocks are traded for less than like a dollar per share or whatever it is. Um, you know, I don't know what the updated stuff is, but, you know, it's pretty cheap, right? Your, your penny shares, but higher level of volatility, higher potential reward, right? Higher level of inherent risk, but you get a lot of return on that investment. And for the, you know, for the undrafted free agents in the NFL teams, they covet them because if you can find a diamond in the rough, there's probably no better value in all the NFL. Think about it. Free, it, it drafted players, you got to pay for that value. You pay draft capital. And based on where they're slotted, you're going to end up paying them through their contract. I mean, obviously, they're, gonna, they're slotted at a certain point, uh, point in the draft or a certain place in the draft, and they're paid all right, based on where they're slotted in the draft. And more guaranteed money attached to players who are drafted as opposed to players who are not drafted. Obviously, later you're drafted, the fewer guaranteed dollars that are attached to you. So teams love to hit on these these penny stocks. And if you look at the Dallas Cowboys and the ranking uh, that the Dallas Cowboys have based on Thor Nystrom's rankings over the last five years, going all the way back to 2019 now, Cowboys were number nine in their undrafted Free agency class rankings in 2019, uh, 2020, number one, 2021, number two, 2023, number one, and 2023, number three. 
They've been top three in four out of the last five years and top ten every year in the undrafted free agency rankings by Thor Nystrom. And when you think about it, it does make sense. You go Terrence Steele's an undrafted free agent. Lyle Collins was an undrafted free agent for the Cowboys. I mean, they found some really good players. I mean, guys who become starters for them via undrafted free agency. And that's that's rare in the NFL to find an undrafted free agent that becomes a starter for you. And you can probably point out three or four examples of it in recent years just with the Cowboys. So just, they're, just, they're really good at finding value. And we know Catboy, Catboy, they love to find value, right? Notoriously, Cowboys complain that the Cowboys have been a little cheap uh, recently, right? They don't like going after free agents in the free agency pool. Why? Because free agents are notoriously overpriced if you're comparing them to the, the market uh, for specific p- players at that position. So they don't like to pay market value or even over market value for players. That's what you do in free agency. Where you get the best bang for your buck, the draft. And even better bang for your buck than the draft, undrafted free agency. So the Cowboys are on that end of the spectrum. Undrafted free agency and free agency, they spend more money than any other team in the NFL on undrafted free agents. And they focus on undrafted free agents probably more than most, and they're really effective. I just told you, four out of the last five years, they've been top five, and every year they've been top ten. So the Cowboys, that's why And recently it's a little surprising that they've gone after players in the trade market. But think about all those players they went after in the trade market recently, or at least not to say all the players, the couple of players they just went after in the trade market. They've been they've been great value pickups. What are you talking about? Brandon Cooks, really cheap because the Texans paid part of that salary. So you got a top-notch receiver on the cheap. What are you talking about? Stephon Gilmore got him relatively cheap for a top-notch corner. Uh, Jonathan Hankins. Uh, didn't they trade for Hankins, I believe, during the season? Yes. He was relatively cheap. But it, they're great value pickups. We don't know how Cooks is going to work out Stephon Gilmore. But th- the Cowboys are about – value, like really you know, bang for their buck if they're going to make a trade. They don't just make blockbuster trades. That's why they basically just stay away from free agency totally. I mean, that's why they're the most homegrown team in the NFL. Nobody has built their roster more from the draft and from acquisitions via undrafted free agency than the Cowboys. And they get, like I said, they get good bang for their buck there as opposed to the other end of the spectrum. So getting back to the Cowboys and undrafted free agency, Last year, I think it was like Marquise Bell was an undrafted free agent from Alec Lindstrom. Remember that center? He's still with the team. He was an undrafted free agent. So they've done really well lately with undrafted free agents. For the Texans on the other end, I mean, the Texans have not done so well <laughs> with undrafted free agents. In 2019, they were number 12 in undrafted free agency rankings in the NFL. In 2020, they were number 23 in undrafted free agents, uh, rank, undrafted free agency rankings in the NFL this year. In, uh, sorry, in 2020, they were number 23. In 2019, they were number 12. I, I went back and looked, and I couldn't find the most recent years with them, but I just find 2023, and in 2023, the Texans are ranked 12th in the AFC, 26th overall with the free agents they signed. And if you just want a quick rundown of the ones the Texans signed, Ali Gay from LSU, uh, he's a, a, a defensive end. Xavier uh, Z- uh, Valade as a running back. Killian Zaire, who's an uh, offensive tackle. Jared Wayne, a wide receiver from Pitt. Uh, Tyler Beach, Wisconsin tackle. Jesse Matthews as uh, a wide receiver. Uh, Dylan Detheridge. So, I, I really, not that any of those guys stood out to me. I do like some of the, the guys the Cowboys picked up. The Cowboys may have got the best fullback 
in the country, potentially, um, via their undrafted free agency class. Uh, it says here, Thor Nystrom says that the Cowboys, I'm still scratching my head over Lu, Luepke, who is their Hunter Luepke from North Dakota State. Uh, I'm still scratching my head over how he did not get picked. He was this class, his premier F-back, uh, fullback, H-back uh, prospect in a shallow Dallas backfield that doesn't have another player like him. Luepke has a strong shot to make the week one roster um, and help out on special teams until he's ready for a role with the offense. And we Cowboys want to run the ball more, want to run the ball more. Probably helps to have a fullback on the roster somewhere. This guy will be cheap, and apparently he was obviously um, a highly valued undrafted free agent based on these rankings. They also got a a tackle, um, Earl Bostic from Kansas, who actually I'm familiar with because we've seen we saw some Kansas this year, a lot of Kansas. Um, it says here the Cowboys walked away from uh, Saturday night undrafted free agent melee with eight signings, and it said the list is led by Earl Bostic. He said, in a shallow offensive tackle class, it was a big surprise that Bostic wasn't drafted. He's a superb athlete, 94th percentile in an NFL frame. The Cowboys won the Saturday night bidding war for him with $220,000 guaranteed. I said, spend a lot of money on undrafted free agents. Um, but, you know, they get, you get way more return on that investment if it works out. And the Cowboys believe that, you know, their development, and we've seen it, um, has been on point lately. And they can turn these guys into some guys who give you valuable reps or to be starters for you one day. Um, and Boston only allowed one sack at Kansas at left tackle in 2022. So it, the best organizations in the NFL, the best ones in the NFL are usually – they're they're usually good to great and and undrafted free agency acquisitions. Uh, very rarely do you see a team that's a bad team. Just a in terms of their development and acquisition with undrafted free agents, and they end up being one of the better organizations in the NFL. Like Kansas City, based on these recent rankings from Thor Nystrom, they're ranked first in the AFC and fourth overall. Um, Seattle is first in the NFC, and he's got them. Uh, he's got them first overall. Actually, they're undrafted free agency class, and we know that John Schneider, one of the better GMs in the NFL. So you look at the top GMs in the league, and I think the Cowboys have a really good GM. No, no, it's not Jeremy. I'm talking about Will McClay more than anything. They all acts as their GM, uh, but Jerry Jones, of course, in title is their GM. But Will McClay is one of the best personnel men in the business and he understands the value of undrafted free agents and i think of it like i always give this uh you know this analogy that think of talent acquisition like going to the grocery store right you got to go buy groceries right think of it the same way and talent acquisition can be um basically looking at the draft as the best value you can get in talent acquisition overall so that's like shopping at h-e-b you shop it. That's no better deal than shopping at HEB. You get coupons there, even you know, right there for you. They got the best prices. Everybody knows HEB. Hey, we, we down with you. Everybody's got their own HEB, neighborhood HEB, community HEB. Best bang for your buck. The the free agency, which is a little overpriced, a little overvalued. Your free agents are in the free agent market. That's like shopping at Whole Foods. All right, everybody knows Whole Foods, a little overpriced, but you know what you're getting. All right, it's a certain. There are certain. Uh, different teams that love free agency and they always operate in free agency. And there are certain teams that decide to stay away from free agency. I don't, I don't shop at Whole Foods very often. 
So I want people that stay away from free agency. I stay away from Whole Foods. But, but that's not because I don't like Whole Foods. It's because it's probably a little out of the, the range yeah. of prices that I'm willing to pay. All right, let me ask you this. That's if you're, about it. When you're going for undrafted free agents, there's, of course, going to be guys that are at the top of the list for everybody, right? Everybody goes, these guys, we all had them, you know, seventh-round pick or sixth-round pick, and they just didn't, you know, our slot didn't come up. We didn't trade back in and get them. When you're, when you're going after them, what's your pitch to a team? Like, if you're Kansas City and you're getting them, you, you clearly can develop and everything else, but there's no guaranteed playing time because you've got a good team. Is it? Are you really having to pitch more of, hey, this is a good team, and if you work hard enough, you'll have a practice squad spot, and maybe you can work your way up, versus the Texans who can't get these guys who are in a position where they're like, look, you could be starting for us in three weeks if you do well enough. Is there a reason why they can? Why some of these teams are just better at getting these guys? I just think they're just better GMs. I mean, it's just that simple. <laughs> it's like some teams are better and more efficient in the draft than others. I just think some teams are better at uh, – some teams prioritize it more, right? You yeah. get what you emphasize. I think some teams – the Cowboys have obviously made it a point of emphasis. They 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 love getting value in the undrafted free agent market, and some teams – they don't have as much success, so they don't value it as much. I think it is one of the most, still most undervalued uh, methods of talent acquisition in the league. It, to me, there's no better bang for your buck. And because the NFL machine, uh, it misses so often on prospects, um, you can, like I said, a third of the NFL is, are undrafted free agents. So there are a ton of really good players who can make rosters and who can be starters for you who undraft the free agents. And by the way, Texas is a prime example. I mean, Longhorn fans, we know that the undrafted free agent market in the NFL is a lucrative one and a robust one because the 40 acres has essentially been a fire sale. <laughs> right? Essentially, the NFL has looked at the University of Texas as one of the best bargains in terms of uh, undrafted free agency acquisitions in the NFL because it's a lot of talent that's got a really high upside that goes underdeveloped. There were 33 Longhorns who played in the NFL last year. 13 of them were undrafted free agents. So it tracks with the the number I just gave you. <laughs> it tracks exactly. And, and the Longhorns are no different. And I, the Longhorn... I think, you know, development is getting much better, no doubt. So I do think you have a, you know, a drop in the undrafted free agency, uh, undrafted free agents that are produced from the 40 acres because now you're turning some of those guys into late-round draft picks. Like a guy like Moro Ojimo might not have gotten drafted, you know, a couple of years ago with the talent development at Texas. Give Bo Davis and give Sark some credit. They developed him to the point where a guy like him, uh, guy like Keandre Coburn, they're NFL players who actually got drafted. They're probably – undrafted free agents who also can make rosters a couple of years ago, right? And we've seen that here at Texas. So to me, Texas is a great example of the bargain basement (laughs) uh, uh, kind of value you can get from undrafted free agents because we know these guys are good players, but they go undrafted because either they're undeveloped at the college level or because they're just overlooked uh, from the pro level. And like I said, there's no better value out there. If you look at value of undrafted free agents compared to you know, compared to a strip club, right? Best value of a strip club is still taking your dollar. It's the tip drill. Take your dollar to the stage. You get you 30 seconds to a minute of some attention from the girl on stage. It's a beautiful thing. Still the best value out there. And I, I hear, even with inflation, you can still take a dollar. A dollar is still acceptable. It ain't like the tooth fairy who uh, the inflation just goes up and now it's $5 a tooth. No, I still think you take a dollar to the stage and you'll still be good. That's the best value. That's the draft.
right? That's your, that's your NFL draft pretty much, the best value in terms of what you can get, the bang for your buck. And think of free agency, that's like going to make it rain. Right, that's it's overvalued. You're not getting the most bang for your buck. I see a lot of guys go to the strip club and they make it rain. They just throwing bills on the stage. It's fun. It is a lot of fun, and it's fun to go out there in free agency and be a big spender. But you'll probably regret it later. Like most guys in free agency, and like most guys that make it rain, you'll probably regret that later. You're not getting much bang for your buck there. That's a waste of cash, right? And not very good value. That's the word of the day. And if you go look at you know the 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 draft, if you will, like I said, that's the best value. But undrafted free agency, think of think of uh, the trades because trades another great value. Cowboys are now recognizing that Brandon Cook, Stephon Gilmore, that's better value oftentimes than free agency, and it can be as good if not better than the draft. The Rams showed you some of that when they were able to win the Super Bowl and they made a lot of big-time blockbuster trades. The Cowboys getting Brandon Cooks for cheap, getting Stephon Gilmore, that's a great trade. That's like a lap dance. Lap dance, you can negotiate a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, hey, you know what? Two songs instead of one, two for one, whatever you want to do. There's a little negotiation there so you can kind of negotiate, extract the value out of a situation. But there's still nothing better than undrafted free agency. Think of that as like knowing the stripper or dating a stripper, which I've done. You get free lap dances. That's the best value in the house, and that's undrafted free agency, baby. That's what the Texas Longhorns have been doing for the NFL, giving out free lap dances, <laughs> just giving up great talent and guys not getting drafted. Hey, I'm all for free lap dances, but you got to extract the value, and that's what the Cowboys do better than anybody else in the league. Don't get it twisted. They're the best team in the NFL at drafting in the first round, and they're the best team in the NFL at acquiring via undrafted free agency. They just got to put it all together. And as, as, what did Jerry Jones say? The draft is not their problem. Coaching is their problem. He laughed, but he wasn't joking. We'll come right back. This is Ball Don't Lie, wonderful Nothing Horn. DD Mega Doodoo. I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get they break the egg comb. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in the sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live! I can I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Uh, we didn't mention this, but uh, it, yet last week it became a story and then kind of died down. And then, you know, I think that it basically just kind of fell uh, to the wayside uh, behind, basically kind of off the radar over the weekend because all the other stories uh, really kind of overtook it. But the Tom Brady story is really compelling. So it was reported last week via an ESPN report that – Discussions between Tom Brady and the then the Raiders have been going on for weeks and could soon be reaching a resolution. He said it's still an extremely sensitive and fluid negotiation. Brady's investment is expected to be passive, making him a limited minority partner. Um, but a source with direct knowledge of the situation says um, he would not have any operational control or authority over the club in business of football matters. Uh, but um, it, it has been reported that. The Raiders are willing um, to allow Tom Brady to buy into ownership. Like I said, limited ownership and ownership. If you're Jimmy Garoppolo, you got to be thinking, dude, you couldn't go to any of the other 31 teams would have loved to have you. You got to come to the Las Vegas Raiders where I just came. What? what? I mean, he's just going to be hanging out. 
Man, Jimmy Garoppolo's like, I can't get away from this guy. You can't keep doing this. Tom Brady. Man, he wants to be the Jack. He wanted to be the Jackie Moon of the Miami Dolphins. And then it turns out we know how that worked out. Yeah. Tampering I think, in the kibosh. I think he's just not has made some uh not great financial decisions. And he knows, like he know he's one of those guys that keeps getting into situations where they're like, Hey man, this is the best way to make money and then it but he like he did crypto and they when people were like, Man, this is the best way to make money and he lost some money. Awesome. And then like, you know what a great way to keep your money is not get divorced and he got divorced. Yeah. And so I think he just had some not great but part of being part of ownership in the NFL, one of the best ways to make money. So I think he's trying to make the right decisions ATM. monetarily. Yeah. And so he's just doing it and he knows the Raiders because He's got the ties to uh, uh, Dana White and UFC and all those things. I think there's ties there where he knows, hey, I can be a part of this where I can be kind of a spokesman because no one likes Mark Davis really, so they need some good press. You're right about that. And yeah. they still have Josh McDaniels who likes me, and so we can I can kind of come over and hang out, and I'll be more of a face even though I don't really have any power or any any major investment in there. But they just need a guy to be that people like over there. Uh, you're probably right about that, That the likability factor. I agree with you on that. And speaking of likability, we know Tom Brady is liked and loved by uh, Patriots fans. Turns out the Eagles-Patriots game week one, the NFL's most expensive ticket right now. Okay. Yeah, the average ticket price for that game is $807, according to ESPN. That's for more than any other average ticket price, t- ticket price so far of the 2023 season. Is that is that in Philly? Uh, I think that is at Patriots. At Patriots, because I think that's the Tom Brady. They're gonna do a like a. Remember, oh, okay. Yeah, it's okay. kind of remember Cause, when because the Eagles are gonna beat the crap out of the Patriots. Oh, probably so. Because we know that Bill Belichick defenses become really good by the end of the year, but usually early in the season they're not great because Bill Belichick's throwing so much stuff at the wall, well, and then you're playing against a really, really good Philadelphia team. So, uh, and then Mac Jones. I mean, we'll see what Bill O'Brien pulls out, but it's. That offense was not great last year, and now you got Bill O'Brien. Well, at least he's an offensive coordinator. He does have an offensive coordinator. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's way better. He's coordinating offense. It's way better, but yeah, there's. I don't know if I have the, the most you. amount of faith. And I think that's why, because uh, from what I understand, Robert Kraft asked him personally to come on out and so that we can celebrate you, Tom Brady, and you're yes. great. It's not that you're officially retired. So I think he is pumping this up to be kind of a Tom Brady celebration because maybe he knows that I need the team to be pumped up. Maybe Tom Brady, just his presence alone will bring out the best in this damn team. It worked before. <laughs> so uh, that's part of it. Uh, by the way, the second most expensive ticket, Cowboys at 49ers. Average ticket price of $501, apparently, according to ESPN. Yeah, that one makes more sense. That could be a good game. Uh, we don't even know where the well, quarterback's going to be yeah, for the 49ers. And, it's still, and everybody's like, it's going to be a good game. Because that's how, that's how much we trust Kyle Shanahan having yeah. a competent offense. Doesn't matter who the hell is going to be well, quarterback. Well, you know, the good part is, other than quarterback, the rest of them will be healthy, which we couldn't say a lot last year Very either. Very true. And what, they lost their offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and we don't know who the quarterback's going to be. One of their GM personnels and yeah, uh, exactly. Oh, you're right. some they other lost, guys. You're right, because they lost to the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, and, then, yeah and then I think the, the Texans took a couple other guys from them, too. <laughs> And they still have better odds to win the Super Bowl than the Cowboys. Yeah. That's how much people trust tell you. my man Shadow. Uh, but I don't know, the Cowboys, man, making some moves that I like this offseason. All right, we come back. We'll get into NBA playoff review. Jason Tatum with a performance for the ages. We'll also talk about Monty Williams. Was he uh, was was his firing um, something that needed to be done for the Phoenix Suns uh, to take their game to a championship level? We'll discuss that and more right here on Ball Don't Line, 104.9 The Horn.